power when we are on our knees. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. This week, if you haven't uh, realized it, uh, we're dealing with uh, the sub-theme, Restoration. Restoration. me? All right. We're dealing with uh, restoration. And uh, maybe an odd topic, an odd theme. Um, yesterday, we started with the, the theme, a state of emergency. As we realize uh, the times that we're living in, we're truly in a state of emergency. Yesterday night, last night in fact, we, we dealt with this, the idea of um, coming out of Sodom. We talked about Lot, this gentleman that just was a man of compromise. We found that Lot, he, he intended not to move into Sodom and Gomorrah. He wanted just to hang out on the outskirts of the city and benefit from all the privilege without living in it. But by the time we read in the book of Genesis chapter 19, we re realized that Lot not only moved into Sodom, he was one of the, the gate watchers, the watchmen in Sodom. He had positions of responsibility in Sodom. And it took a divine agent, two agents coming into the fold into that city to warn him of that city's destruction. You know, sometimes what I'm seeing is a reoccurring theme in all of this. Sometimes we find ourselves living our lives. Everything is smooth running. We're working, we're eating, we're paying our bills. Everything is happening. In, in such a smooth way and we do not know that destruction is coming upon the land. I remember when that tsunami hit in 2004 in the Indian Ocean. Many individuals, they were frolicking around and swimming and enjoying their time. And they, I remember in the island of Seychelles, everyone, they wondered why the ocean automatically receded and pulled back. And many watchers, sea watchers and shell collectors and all of these individuals, they started clamoring on the beach, picking up these shells picking it up and bagging these things and they were amazed they were saying this it, we have never seen this before but the very animals that were around that time they started running to the higher ground running running they sensed that something was wrong but everybody else they were just enjoying themselves picking up the treasures that they saw along the beach. And some of the older, more experienced individuals, they called out and they said, clear the beach. Remove yourself from the beach. And 
just in time, many people, even reluctantly, they had to pull them and push them, and they got out of the way and got to the higher ground. And just moments later, the sea that had receded came crashing into land. Praise God, in that region, I think no one lost their lives, but they were spared. But in other regions, other islands, people just vanished, were washed away, not knowing that doom was coming. It's very important for us as God's people to understand what the word of God is saying. We are living in the end time. We're living in the last days. And the life that we think that is secure right now, in a moment, everything could go. Many times we, we find ourselves, we're following the crowd. We're following the, the march of that certain uh, beat. And it has that certain tune and, and it's so good. Many of us following false religion, false teachings, and we are marching on to what we do not know, but ultimately, destruction is coming. Now, I don't want to be a doomsday prophet, and I don't claim to be one, but I see something reoccurring over and over in the Word of God, and it is time for God's people to take stock. We'll be talking about some very deep things this week. And my intention is not to cause fear, but to really trouble your conscience. For, for each and every one of us to really search to see where we stand with our God and maker. It is high time for God's people to get ready and to get right in the presence of God. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Father, we are your people. This is your word. And as we open up tonight, Lord, we pray, Father, that you will show us the direction that you want our lives to lead. Bless us now, Lord, as we come in this inner sanctum. Give us your Holy Spirit. Speak through me, Father, that indeed, Lord, we will have full restoration within the house of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We look in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. Matthew, chapter 17, is a very interesting chapter. Because so many unbelievable things happen in this chapter. In, in fact, what we see is uh, miracles beyond proportion that we never experienced before. You see, there was a, a, a certain prophecy where the, the Jews they had this kind of uh, belief system that um, somehow that Elijah was going to come before the great day of the Messiah. They believed this based on the prophecies of Malachi. Malachi preached in the last book of his last book and said that Elijah shall come first before the great and notable day of the Lord. And while this was uh, being preached, many Jews believed that. And in fact, uh, a, a good 400 years passed since that prophecy, and they were looking for Elijah to come. And they had this idea that something was going to happen that he is going to usher in the, the rule of the great Messiah. 
And he is going to come and subdue the Romans and establish his kingdom. And he is going to reign forever and ever and ever. Now, the, the Jews, they were right in, uh, in the understanding that the Messiah was going to come and reign forever and ever. But there was something that was particularly wrong because they did not know the time frame. They knew that something was going to happen, but they did not know exactly when it was going to happen. And so in a futuristic way, they looked ahead and they didn't understand the prophecies that was going to take place within the next 500 years or the next 1,000 years or 2,000 years. They didn't understand. All they knew based on the prophecies that these things were going to happen and they put it all together, one. And they were expecting Elijah to come. He was going to come in the eastern gate of Jerusalem. As he comes, he is going to speak and prophesy. And he is going to prepare the way of the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 17, we find a very interesting uh, chapter here where we see that in verse 1, just to give you context, that it says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone as the sun. And his clothing was white as light, and behold, there appeared to them Moses, Elijah, and Elijah talking with him. Now these disciples, they looked and they saw that these two patriarchs, these two powerful figures in scripture, Moses and Elijah was talking to Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto him, Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? Are we worthy to be here? Are, are we, it, could we be here and still live? In a sense, he was asking because this was an awesome sight. They recognized they were in the presence of holy men. And he says, if you will, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and great fear came upon them. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, don't be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. And as they came down from the mount, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. So he told them a secret. He told Peter, James, and John a secret that they should not tell to anyone, any of the other disciples, anybody within, even their family, do not say anything until my resurrection. In verse 10, his disciples asked him, saying, Why then does the scribe say that Elijah must come first? They were actually speaking of Malachi's prophecy. And answering them, Jesus said to them, Elijah truly shall come first and restore all Elijah will come and he's going to bring restoration to all things. Note verse 11. 
But I say unto you that Elijah has come already. And he and, and they did not know him, but have done to him whatsoever they desired. Likewise also the Son of Man shall suffer from them. The very one that they were looking for, Jesus, was testifying that he came, and they didn't know who he was. Uh, they, he came and they ignored him. Uh, he came and, in fact, he was killed. He was martyred. His head was cut off. And they didn't understand quite what he was saying. But it says here in verse 13, after Jesus said all of these things, then the disciples understood that he spoke to them about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he came in the spirit of Elijah. It was John the Baptist that was born just before Jesus came. He was the one that was crying in the wilderness and preparing the way of the Lord. He was the one that baptized Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist was that Elijah in that day. And let me break this down to you to tell you that there is an Elijah message in every single age. There is an Elijah message that is preparing the way of the Lord in every single age. And the Elijah message is unpopular because the Elijah message calls men and women back to the standards of the Bible. They call them back. It calls them back to search themselves, calls them back to the original Decalogue, the commandments of God, calls them back out of confusion to understand God's straight truth, the testimony that is to be preached in all ages. The Elijah message is being preached today. And I'll tell you that the embodiment of the Elijah message is found in the book of Revelation chapter 12, where we are called forth, in that last verse, we are called forth to restore all things and testify. We are the ones that call people back to the original commandments, keeping of the commandments, and having the testimony of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy. And so we got to understand the Elijah message is that straight truth. It is the three angels message as we will hear about later on this week. And there are three literal message that is going forth to the world right now. That is being preached to the world right now. It is either you're hearing it or you're running from it. There are individuals that's hearing it, and partially they are living in it, but not fully. Some. But some, they are surrendering all, as we asked yesterday. And Christ, when Christ's message is preached, he wants us to come fully, wholly to him. And so I want you to understand what this is all saying here. And uh, they understood that and back then, that Elijah message came through John the Baptist, and they ignored him. And this is one of the things, the, the key areas that I want to focus on tonight. How we ignore what God is doing. God is doing something right now. He is broadcasting something to this world. Are we tuned in? What are we tuned into? Are we tuned into our problems? Are we tuned into the things of this world that will burn with it? Are we tuned into God's divine message? It says, when they came down, this is where the message begins. When they came down to the crowd, a man came to him, kneeling down, to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic 
and grievously vexed. For as oft times he falls into the fire, and often he, uh, often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. This man had a son that was called a lunatic. If you, that's in the Bible, you read that, right? And they could not cure this man. Verse 17, Jesus answered unto said, and said unto them, O faithful and perverse generation, how long, how long, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. I want you to understand what is being said in the word tonight because this is real when we consider what is being said I want to want you to understand the context of what is happening whenever God is doing something even now the devil is doing something else whenever God is setting up uh, a plan the devil is setting up a counter-initiative, even right now. There are individuals in the house right now. You know that you came to church to hear a word, but your mind may be split and doubled, and you're thinking of things that you are going to do. You're, you're making plans with the enemy of things that you are going to do that is contrary to God. The Bible tells us that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man or woman. Uh, this is, these are individuals that, you know, they're here today, gone tomorrow, they're in the church, they're, they're, it's the, a yo-yo thing. They come to church, come to God out of convenience, but when the rubber hits the road, they're out of church. Double-minded. Double agents, I like to call this, right? We have them in the church. And so what we have to understand here in the book of Matthew chapter 17, we see two things happening. There is an activity that's taking place on the mountain. There's Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, and Moses and Elijah shows up, and they're on the mountain, and God is speaking to them. God is speaking directly to them, but there is something right at the same time that is happening in the valley. With all the other disciples, the devil is wreaking havoc with these disciples in the valley. Three disciples with Jesus in the mountaintop, praying, they want to make tabernacles. They want to do all of these great things. And they're hearing God speaking verbatim. They're experiencing the power of God, brightness, and all of these grandiose. They're on the mountaintop. But at the very same time, in the valley, the devil is wreaking We're reading this. We're experiencing the power. But at the same time, where are your children? Where are your children? Where are your children? 
there's a common theme. The devil got to understand himself was up on the mount with his disciples and they were talking to God at the very same time the other disciples were in the valley and they were struggling with the grievous of their challenge and they were facing truth be told many of us we have this situation in our homes. We have this situation in our families, even right now. And the devil is walking around as a boss in your home, and there is nothing you can do about it. Or you think so. And so this is what we're facing right now. These are the challenges. And how on earth do we get away? I remember a few years ago I was teaching in our school in Montreal, Greaves Academy, and there was this young girl. She grew up in the church, and her mother decided that, well, she was going to practice a little different. And so the mother, she became one of these leaders in one of these um, covens. And she was a witch. I remember when I started off this activity helping the class to understand their religion and decipher their, their religion and so forth. Um, this young girl, she was in grade 10, um, she came and she was so proud of her religion. And she said, my religion is Wicca. That's the modern term for witchcraft. And I said, Wick what? And she says, Wicca. And I was reluctant for her to tell me about her religion or even give a class presentation on her religion. So I privately read her paper, but I didn't let her you know, talk to the class. But what this young girl did with her mother, they webbed in a few other students in the school, and they started practicing witchcraft in our school. I remember once they cast some spell that caused these boys to itch in weird places, and they thought it was funny. And at the same time, we had started up a prayer group and this prayer group attracted Hindus and Muslims and so forth. And they, we came together at break time, 15 minutes, and we would pray. And in our prayer, we recognized something. There was something that is taking place. And many of the students, they were coming in. And at that time, I had invited a speaker from uh, Massachusetts. Her name was Carolyn Parkman. And... The Lord is so good. I didn't know who I invited. But this lady was doing a week of prayer and she was promoting Atlantic Union College. And while she was doing that, she said, Mr. Madden, I need to speak to you. And she said, some of your kids 
practicing witchcraft. And I said, how did you know? She said, I was a witch myself. And I know the signs. And they're right there in the back. And she said, listen, I'm going to make an appeal tomorrow and see if they move. And she made a strong appeal for individuals to stand up and surrender themselves to God. They could not move. They're three girls. They could not move. They couldn't. And while I told her about her prayer, and she said, well, continue praying. And I guarantee you, after that semester of praying, that girl, she just went mad. The mother, they had to actually, they relocated not too far from here in California. <laughs> and what I, why tell you this story? We were fighting with darkness. They thought it was fun. But the parents, the mother, had led her daughter down this pathway, a pathway of destruction, a pathway that was leading ultimately to her aim and destruction. And I, and I don't know exactly what happened to her afterwards, but I'll tell you something, that we may think as we said in our scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, we may think that everything is just on the surface, is just what you see. Happy Sabbath, sister. You know, hallelujah. You know, to your, you know, co-workers, it's not just on the surface. There are things that's happening right now in this world that you can't see. There are kids that's mesmerized by these video games. They have them spellbound. Have you ever tried to call your kid when they're playing a video game? I mean, it's almost like they are locked in and they're playing this thing and I mean, it has their mind, right? And if you notice these little video games, I used to play these video, video games and ColecoVision and, and, uh, and Atari and these, you know, little stick creatures and, and my Commodore 64. I used to play these games and it's nothing compared to the games now. Nothing. And I pledge myself when I was come, uh, I, I saw all of these uh, Sega Genesis and all of these games getting really graphical and everything. I said, you know something? I'm not going to be playing these games anymore. Even my son, he got his game system because people gave him gifts. He had uncles that gave him, and these guys should play games. They used to wake up, especially a, a time like this. They would all come together with their computer systems and everything, and they would play from night to dawn, right? And take a little nap and get back up and play. And the games that they're playing, I mean, these games that they're decapitating individuals, blood everywhere and all of these things. And I mean, and the games are getting more evil and literally you could see demons in the games. Demons. I remember my son. Someone gave him a gift. And we looked at the cover and we said, no. There's something wrong with this one. And we said, hey, Daniel, we don't think you should be playing this game. And he argued and argued and argued. And, and so there are times as parents, you just have to back away and let the Holy Ghost I got up and the next thing I saw was the video game in the garbage box torn up everything in the garbage he told me he had some dream and I mean based on what he saw in the dream he that was the devil <laughs> and he shut that thing down I'm telling you Satan is trying to to take over this world, take over our minds. The book 
trip into supernatural, if you have not read it yet, you need to buy that book and read it. A book by Roger Murnau, or you could Google it, YouTube it. They have about two different versions of his testimony online, right? Trip into supernatural. This man, he is actually from my hometown in Quebec, and he basically was a Satanist, converted that became a seven-day Adventist. And he was, while he was following the Satanist religions, religion, he discovered something about the order of the satanic beings, the angels. Satan is an organized being. And it, it talked about that there are classification of demons. You have one form that they call the warrior type. And if you look at war-torn countries, you see it where they're always warring. He says demons are behind that. Then you have demons that are behind natural disasters, right? And so they stir natural disasters in different regions of the world. But in North America, there is a type of demon that is taking over North America right now, and they're called the clairvoyants. These ones, they come in and their aim is to show and to prove that they don't exist, right? So they come among us and they work through the media, they work through the news, they work through the musicians and the game developers and all of these things and their aim is in a sophisticated way to enter your mind and take over in a very controlled way. Step by step by step until it is too late. This little boy that was possessed in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. This little boy that was possessed, he did not just come possessed overnight. Uh, there had to be some influence. Perhaps... What was the father doing? What was the mother doing? There had to be some infiltration in that home. Demons don't just jack and jump and just take you over like that. A door has to be open. An avenue has to be open. And when that avenue is open, they will come in. And it is tough to get them out. It's only the power of God. That will get them out. And this boy, he was controlled and he was possessed. And there is nothing that these disciples could do. They, have, they prayed up a storm. They couldn't do it. And at the same time, Jesus was on the mount. But praise God. At the very same time, God knew that he had to work things out. And so Moses and Elijah went back. Uh, went to heaven and uh, the three disciples Peter, James and John they came down the mount with Jesus and they were conversing about who Elijah was and so forth and by the time they came down verse 14 they stepped into verse 14 they stepped into verse 14 and at that very time this man came up and this man came kneeling down to him. And this man cried out and says, mercy, have mercy. He saw mercy coming down the mountain top, from the mountain top. And he came to mercy. He came to Jesus and he appealed to Jesus. He appealed to Jesus and Jesus just simply said to him, bring him, bring him hither to me and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured that very hour God had mercy up on this child and then came the disciples after 
They were perplexed at this. They came after and asked the question, why could not we cast him out? Why can't we cast him out? Why don't we have the power, everyone? Why is Satan walking around in your house, in our house? Why is he walking freely around? Why can't we cast him out? Perhaps we give him free reign. Perhaps we give him free reign. We sing the songs. We read the scriptures. We do all of these wonderful things, but we open the back door and we let him in. And he comes in and plops down on your couch and he makes himself a peanut butter sandwich. He just makes himself a peanut butter sandwich. He rebukes you for doing that. And the only way you rebuke the devil, we rebuke the devil, is by turning to the light and really meaning. anyone says in this place Vegas in this place you have great challenges here and I'll tell you why I have noticed that my families have great inequalities I noticed that even compromise we easily compromise and whatever and we wallow in sin and we love it as we talked about yesterday. And as a result of this, Satan feels comfortable to just, hey, I belong here. I want you to understand when Jesus Christ came here and he came into this situation that we're talking about and Jesus basically rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. The child was cured that very hour. And the disciples wondering, what could we do? Why couldn't we do it? Jesus said unto them, and just listen to this. Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. You do not believe. You don't believe. And so you just come to church out of tradition. It's just something I do. It looks good. It feels good. I love the songs. I like to participate in it. It's just a social club. But when the rubber meets the road, do we really believe? These disciples, Jesus was saying, you don't believe. You have been with me for all these years, but you don't believe. You don't claim the power. Right? You have a form of godliness. You look the form, but you're denying the power thereof. That's what the scripture says. And so as I'm closing out here, it says here that because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if he had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, this is where it says it, all right? And he says, ye shall say to this mountain, the very mountain that he came down off, right? You, may, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing. So folks, as we have heard from the word of God, as we have seen very clearly and we understand the struggles that we are going through even right now and truth be told as I'm talking right now some of you all are <laughs> you're saying that's my home I need a place like that I need a place like that but if you put your hand 
include the very same author I quoted before, Roger Murnau, in another book of his, um, I think it's Incredible Answers to Prayer. He told the story of this woman that had this demonic occurrence in her house. Nothing she could do, she did, could get it out. And then after he entered into prayer, this is just before he died in the late 90s, and as he got into prayer with this lady, the Lord impressed him, and he said, have you received any gifts from anyone? Have you received any gifts from any, any strange gifts? I want you to search your house and know what is in your house. You need to understand every single thing that is in your house. What is in your house? There is something in your house that is attracting these things. It is what they call drawing symbols. Drawing symbols. And the lady in her reflection recalled that someone had given her this weird book, right? And this item or what have you. And, and she, in, in her searching, she realized that this may be it. And Roger Minot told her to get it out of her house, throw it out. She did that and the problem stopped. I say this to say, there are things that could be in your house that attracts these things inside and it needs to be removed. We need to have a cleansing of the temple. The temple first, this temple must be cleansed. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 tells us that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And anything that is in the, bottle, in the body that should not be there, whether it be mental, whether it be physical or spiritual, needs to be removed. If it's, if it's not of God, it needs to be removed. That's the first temple that needs to be cleansed. But then your abode, where you are, where you're living, anything that is there that should not be needs to be removed. Folks, the foe that we fight against his battle is to have your mind. And if he has your mind, he has you. And we want you to understand, God wants us to live holy. Now I know this is not no jumping and hollering message and all of these things, but I'm telling you, this is real. And this is our salvation. Our young people, are caught up in the hype of all of these things. And we must form a rescue mission and deliver them. But first, it starts with you. Jesus said, be this cometh by my said that she came to Jesus surrendered and she fell 
she came once again to Jesus, surrendered, and fell again. And she came for the great sum of seven times <laughs> and fell. But Jesus didn't give up on her. It says a righteous man falls. <laughs> a righteous man falls how many times? But he gets up. We need to get up. Christ wants us to get up. Tomorrow night I'll be telling you the story of this, this woman that went through, I mean, hell. And what God, how he led her life to where she is right now. The enemy is attacking But God is able. And so tonight, we want to give you an opportunity, first of all, to surrender everything to him. And I'm asking, first of all, I'm going to be making a direct a call right now. On Sabbath, we have a baptism. And this baptism is one, a baptism of renewal. Uh, we are speaking of the whole idea of reclaiming God's children. We want God's children to come home. Come home. And on Sabbath, the water will be troubled by the Holy Spirit. And it is our prayer that you be found ready in that water. Secured in Christ. I'm making an appeal for anyone that want to say, listen, I don't know how all of this is going to work, but I know that I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to be baptized. I want to be rebaptized. If this is your desire, and you know the Holy Spirit is leading you in this direction I'm asking you to, to lift your hand praise God the enemy he's angry and all he wants is your soul will you not step out and say listen Lord I'm surrendering all today. I want to be baptized. If that's, this is your desire, I want you to lift your hand. This is another appeal. The second call. As you have heard the message today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. And you want that renewal in your home. I'm asking you to stand with me. As we consecrate our lives. Let us pray. Father in heaven. You have seen the hands that went up individuals Lord that want to be baptized individuals that want to be rebaptized Lord we're asking please Lord that you'll step into their reality even now 
that you will rebuke the enemy, Father. That you will kill that cancer and help them to stand. Lord, as we stand here now, every one of us, we need a renewal. We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to hear from you, Father. Our lives cannot continue in the way that it has been going. And so, Lord, tonight we stand. We stand, Lord, because of you. But because of ourselves, we, we cannot do anything. We are unable to stand, Lord. But praise God for Jesus Christ. Jesus stood up for us and it's because you stood up for us and died for us that affords us this chance to stand. Lord, whatever the enemy has planned for our lives, I pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, it will be zeroed out. We have made our choice and we are not going to be the devil's dog anymore. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Even as we go through this week, Father, I pray, Father, that you will just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, many of our children, they should be here tonight, but they are not. I pray, Father, that you will trouble them. That you will help us to do our part in bringing them out, Father. That they will be filled, they will be consecrated, Lord. And they will be empowered. Lord, please. Touch your people once again. With the rushing mighty wind, blow upon us. We thank you, Father for your grace. We thank you for your power. For we ask these things in the mighty and the most majestic name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 As we come to the close of tonight's program, it is our prayer that you will touch somebody and bring somebody out as we are in the final quarter of this campaign. It is my prayer that you will do your part. Amen? Amen. And as we get into this, um, I believe God has great things in store for us. Remember, we are going through the rest of the week, skipping over Thursday into Friday. And uh, we are going to be having a baptism on Sabbath morning. And